You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. We've been talking about how to find purpose when life seems pointless. And uh, there are just a lot of things that we experience in life, do in life, encounter in life that just seem to like not make any sense at all. And this series is all about discovering how we can actually find God's best, find his purpose in the midst of pointless things. Um, week one, Pastor Jeremy kicked off talking about how um, our donkey mission, again, I'll explain that in a moment, but it, it leads to our greater mission. Uh, this idea of a, of a donkey mission that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 9 where uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, is sent on a mission by his dad to go find some lost donkeys. And it just the whole mission seems pointless, but it actually leads to our greater mission. Uh, week two, we talked about how to make peace with our past. That there are things in our past. So if you missed uh, any of these, you go back, get on the website, go back and watch uh, some of these. Or maybe you, you were here in the room but feel like maybe I need to rewatch that one on how to make peace with my past. Then do that. And then last week, uh, Pastor Jeremy shared on how that, our, our, that purpose lies on the other side of our excuses. That we make a lot of excuses for why we don't experience um, everything that God has for us. But we need to press through that. And, uh, and find our purpose. But today I want to talk about how not to take a donkey mission alone. Uh, don't go it alone that we're better together. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced something absolutely amazing and it was like, wow, this is awesome. And you turn around and realize you were by yourself. There's no one else with you. Uh, maybe you're a golfer and you shot a hole in one and we're like, sure you did. Sure you did. Um, I don't know if any of you are baseball fans like I am. I love baseball. And uh, just by the place that we're at right now, none of our teams are in the playoffs. That's okay. Sorry, New York. And I'm a Pirates fan. My team's not in the playoffs either. And I'm like, Oh, and uh, nothing usually good happens at a Pirates game, but this one Pirates game, and we have spring training all over, uh, all over Florida, and I'm at a spring training game. It's a, an away game for the Pirates. They're in a different stadium, but I'm in the outfield, and I caught a home run ball. And it was like fly ball. I'm like watching the whole thing. And literally, I didn't even have to move. I'm like watching it. It comes right in my glove. And I caught it. I'm like, yes. And I turn around to high five. And I'm by myself. I had no one to high five because I went to the game by myself because it's just my happy place. I just went there. And I'm like, this is awesome. And you're trying to tell people about it, but no one experienced it with me. Um, but the flip side is, is also true is that when you when you're, are experiencing something amazing, it's so much better when you have some other people around. My wife and I had the privilege of actually going to Israel. We just prayed for Israel. But going to Israel this past summer, um, there was us and 18 other people from our church that went. And there were so many just really special moments on this trip. And I'm so glad that I had not just my wife with me, which was awesome, uh, but have other friends with me. And now it's not like just telling somebody a story of what happened and them have no idea or no context. It's just, hey, remember when we were walking the Sea of Galilee? Remember when we were on that boat that on the same waters that Jesus walked on? Like, she's on her head like, yeah, we, we, it's like, you just revert right back to it. There's something special when we experience things together because life is better together. Come on, turn to the person next to you and tell them, come on, life is better together. You can do it. Come on, tell them. Turn to the other person that you were avoiding at all costs. I know you rode here with them. It's okay. Come on, life is better together. It just is. It's just better together. And Saul, who is the kind of the, the, 
the leader of our story here, the kind of character, the lead character in 1 Samuel chapter 9. I'd love for you to read along with me. We will have the verse on the screen, but if you've got your Bible or a Bible app on your phone, you can pull it out. But Saul found that out real quick uh, while he's on this, what we're calling a donkey mission. It says there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish. And then it lists out his genealogy, all of these grandfather and great-grandfather of Benjamin. So he's of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, Kish had a son named Saul. He was a handsome and young man as could be found anywhere in all of Israel. He was a head taller than anyone else. So this guy is unique. He's special. He stands out. Everyone looks at him and they immediately say this is a leader. Verse 3. This is kind of the verse for our message today. It says, now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. So Kish turns to his son, Saul, and he says, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. I want to share four thoughts on how not to do a donkey mission alone. So Saul is sent out on this mission to go find these donkeys. Now you could imagine, I mean, I, I, I could imagine, and maybe you can as well, of how popular Saul was. Like he knows he's good looking. He knows every time he walks into a room, everybody turns to him because he stands out. And it's not just he stands out. Some of us stand out because we're not good looking, right? But, but he stands out because he's really good looking. He walks in the room. Everyone's like, wow, this, that's him. That's the guy. All the girls are like, oh, that's the guy. <laughs> But he's just, he's so important. He, and and I, I'm, I'm understanding even by reading a little bit more of the story to even know that some of this probably went to his head a little bit. It actually even created a little bit of insecurity in Saul based on how popular he was, how influential he was and his family was. And But now he's being sent on this mission that just seems pointless. Like of all of the people that... His dad could have sent to go find the donkeys. Why is he sending Saul? Well, we find out that God actually had a purpose in sending Saul, who is ultimately going to become the first king of Israel. Here's my first thought when it comes to not doing a donkey mission alone. is just that. We were not created to do life alone. We were never created to do life alone. We, we see this all the way back in the first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. And I, I know that we use this a lot of times when it comes to marriage. But the, the principle is so true across the board. God looks at Adam, who's by himself, and says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for mankind to be alone. And it's so important that we recognize that. And it's so interesting that Saul, his, his dad's first instruction to him on this mission was to not go alone. He says, take a servant with you. You see, God does the same thing, and it's because God knows that life is too big, it's too sin-filled, there's too much that we face, too many hard things that you and I face, that we cannot actually even survive alone, that we need other people in our life. And a lot of times, especially in our culture, because of our, of our phones, our smartphones, is that we actually have this fake sense that we are actually connected. We actually feel like, oh, we really know what's going on in people's worlds. And, and, and it's, a, it's an illusion. It's a, an illusion of connection. We think that we're truly connected and we're really not. Here's, here's, the, here's the fact. is we're actually, the more we are engaged with our phone thinking we're connected, we actually become more disconnected from the people that are around us. You ever notice that? You ever at the dinner table and everyone's got their phone out? 
And everyone's thinking how connected they are, but we're actually, the more connected we are on something that is not real, it's not even real, it's social, it's media, it's not even true, it's the highlights, it's the billboards, it's the what we want everybody to see, which a lot of times really isn't the real us of really what's going on. And the more connected we are there, the more disconnected we are from the very people that are right with us right now. And God wants us to realize like it is so important that we stay together and connected because of hard things. But the problem with hard things is that we all have a knee-jerk reaction when they happen. When we're faced with a difficult thing or, or maybe we cross the line on something that we said that we weren't going to do but we did anyway. We said we wouldn't do that or we wouldn't go there or we wouldn't say that or we're trying to work on something and we cross the line and we're feeling guilty and we're feeling ashamed or, or we get a really bad report from a doctor and we're facing some difficult things or we're, we, we're about to make a, a major decision maybe it's a major purchase or maybe it's a, a major life-changing decision and a lot of times when we're faced there, the two reactions we have, one, our knee-jerk reaction is to isolate, to, to pull back, to, to kind of get alone, to retreat. Or the other one is that without, without involving anybody else, we just charge forward. We have an idea, and, and, and again, this could be a major decision in our life or we're, we're a major setback, we're just, I'm just going to push through. And we charge forward without any counsel. And the Bible word for that is actually foolish. The Bible calls us foolish if we charge forward in big decisions without counsel. So here's, here's the point, or here's the question for us to kind of wrestle with. Where in your life right now, if you were to pause for a moment and look at, where in your life right now have you been going it alone? Maybe you're good with having others around you and having friends, and maybe you're, you're, you're a social person and you're great with that, but when it comes to big decisions, you just go it alone. Or, or maybe you're, you're great with the decisions, but when it comes to confessing something, to letting somebody into uh, an area of your life that you just need, you need advice or you need help, you go it alone. Where in your life have you just been going it alone or isolating or charging ahead? We were not created to do life alone. Here's the second kind of thought or observation from this story of Saul on his donkey mission is that we need friends at pivotal moments in our mission. Let me say it again. We need friends at pivotal moments in our mission. In the story, we, we don't hear about Saul's servant, the servant that his dad said you need to take. We don't even hear about him until we're kind of into the story a little bit, until actually Saul hits this crossroad, actually until he comes to a place where he's about to give up. And, and it's, it's hard to quit when you have other people around you. You could quit when you're by yourself, but... To just have your quitting causes the whole team to lose, you're going to have to have a conversation. That's exactly what happens here. Look at this, verse 5. It says, when they reached the district of Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, come on, let's just go back. That's it. This is enough. My father will stop thinking about the donkeys and he's going to start worrying about me. So let's just end this whole thing. But look what happens in verse 6. But the servant replied, the person with him replied, look, in this town, there's a man of God. He's highly respected. And everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. I just find that so interesting that the servant knew about the man of God. Here's, here's Saul, this prominent man in Israel from the very prominent family. And he's not, he, we don't even see him even reaching out to engage in inquiring of God at all yet. And it took a servant 
It took someone, a, a friend, an accountability partner to say, hey, before you make this big decision, because we were sent on this mission to find these donkeys by your dad, before we just quit, shouldn't we, inqu- shouldn't we talk to God first? Shouldn't we pray? Shouldn't we go to church? Shouldn't we engage spiritually? Shouldn't we seek God? And it took a friend, it took a, an accountability partner to actually help lead Saul to this place of seeking God's face. He needed a friend. And it's in those moments that we don't always want to hear what our friends have to say. Have any friends that they say stuff like, I didn't want to hear that. Or I'm not even going to ask you because I know what you're going to say and I don't want to hear what you're going to say. Like we all have some people in our life like that. But Saul didn't, he didn't just blow off this friend. He actually slowed down and he pushed, resisted a little bit, but he slowed down and he actually listened to what his friend had to say. And sometimes the best thing that you and I need to hear is exactly what we don't want to hear. Look at this, Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, wounds from a friend, they can be trusted. I'm not talking about injury. We're talking about, you know, some of those, you know, some of those, uh, I don't know if you grew up in church or not like I did. I grew up in church and I would fall asleep a lot in church and I had a grandmother that would sit next to me and I got a few wounds from grandma. Like, wake up, wake up, wake up, right? It's like, yes, I need to wake up. I need to pay attention. Like, okay. Or you had someone in your life that would kind of grab your ear a little bit or pull you or, or like, hey, slow down. Or just the, the, these wounds, these kind of nudges, these little kind of bruises almost in, in a good way of like, you need to hear, you need to stop, stop what you're doing. I need to get your attention because God is wanting to do something in your life and you're about to miss it because you're not slowing down enough to seek his face. So many times in my life, Stephanie has, has shared something or, or friends in my life has, have shared just a word that I needed that was just right at the right moment. Even, uh, we, we planted a church in New Jersey in 2008, uh, much like your pastors did. Started from nothing, just planted a church. God called us to do that and we're about eight years into the, the church plant. And God started moving on our heart. He said, I, I called you to, to plant it, but I didn't call you to lead it forward. And so we were seeking God, trying to figure out what was next for our church that God had birthed, allowed us to be a part of it as what was next for our family. And, and I just remember those, those times of praying and fasting and just seeking continued wisdom. We're sensing something, but we didn't just run off headstrong from what we were sensing. We pulled all kinds of, of wise men and women, spiritual leaders into our life. And we sought God and we were seeking after him. And God can continued just to drop this, you know, south in my wife's heart, south. And, and again, we're in New Jersey, we're in North Jersey. And so I'm thinking, well, South Jersey, that's south. And thank God it was Fort Myers, everybody. Like, I'm just like, south, keep going. Just keep going down. It's warmer down there. Like, let's go. But it, it, but it was, God was using someone, us together, not alone, but together. He was speaking to us both. So here's a question for us today. Are you at a pivotal moment in some area of your life? And if so, who do you need to talk to before? Everyone say before. Before you make the decision. Involving somebody else. What pivotal moment do you find yourself in right now that before you make a a deciding factor, a deciding, uh, this decision, before you do that, before you make some decision that you begin to adjust things, a, a career change, a move, a Whatever it is, before you step in, before you uh, agree to date that person, before, like, involve some other people. Hey, introduce him or her to some other people. Introduce him or her to some friends. Let them, like, no, if I do, they won't like him. Maybe that's the point, everybody, right? Maybe that's the point. 
But what pivotal place do you find yourself? What pivotal moment are you in right now? Is it a business decision? Maybe a, a large investment that you're about to step into? Uh, maybe the, when, when school's done, I'm going to do this, or a job or career change, whatever it is. Who do you need to involve in that conversation? Here's the third thought that I have when it comes to this story of not doing anything alone, is that the only way to have a friend at the pivotal moments is to actually have them in the mundane moments as well. And there's a lot of mundane in our life, isn't there? A lot of mundane moments, a lot of just kind of going, what feels like going through the motions. And even that feels pointless a lot of times, but the mundane is, is such a, a powerful thing. When I think of Saul and his friend on this donkey mission, they walked mile after mile, day in and day out, all through these ordinary places. You know, even the, the, the starting video to this to the message today, you could see like the, the just the dash marks moving around this path of like it just feels like I'm just swirling around that maybe it feels aimless at times. But there was a lot of of, of time, a lot of places, track that just seemed ordinary, just boring. And almost to the point where we would think they don't matter, they're not important. But I love what my pastor says. He says, life happens while you're waiting for life to happen. Let me say it again. Life happens while you're waiting for life to happen. It could be the, the meals are, uh, around the table, the dinner table, and conversations that happen of parents with, with kids, and you're driving your kid to school or to a practice or a rehearsal, and it's those conversations that happen in the car. It could be the, the when you're walking somewhere. It could be uh, parents, again, tucking your kids in at night. I, I remember the, the, the nighttime, you know, rocking, especially, you know, as we just married off a daughter. And uh, got her off the payroll. Thank God, don't pay her cell phone anymore. Don't pay her car payment no more. It's like, hey, bro, you know what you're getting into, right? Like, she's all yours now, right? But I remember those, those nights sitting and rocking her to sleep and singing over her and praying for her. Just night after night, just those Monday praying for her husband. Like, God answered our prayer, gave us exactly what we had been praying for. And that was an amazing, pivotal moment. But it happened as a result of a lot of just ordinary, ordinary nights. Just praying. Just the regular, what seems to be mundane. Don't underestimate the power of small moments shared together. There's just power. And I, I you know, talked about our, our trip to Israel. And uh, that's a long flight. Uh, we saw some crazy things. We, we flew from RSW in Fort Myers to Newark. Saw some really crazy things in Newark Airport. Anybody ever been to Newark Airport? Like crazy things. Like I want to tell the story, but I don't think I should. My wife's saying, no, all right, I won't tell it. Maybe for 1230, we'll save it for the next service. But I mean, it's just like things that we'll never forget, things that we saw together. Like I could tell her afterward, but to share that experience with her. And again, being around the Sea of Galilee, 80% of Jesus' ministry was around this, this lake, really, in essence, just a, a small body of water. And to walk, literally to have my feet on the stones of the, of the same road from 2,000 years ago that was excavated. And Jesus walked this road. It's historically proven. And I got to step on it. But it wasn't, I wasn't alone when I stepped on it. I had people with me. And there's just power in those moments. But it wasn't just like the, the big things that we saw. It was the walking. We did a lot of walking. But the walking to get to the places, the conversations that we had, the, the times of even prayer as we're walking to those places, there is power in the small, in the mundane. Look what it says in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1. 
Those of you that might not even be, you know, maybe this is your first time in church or you're online right now because you're not sure about us. We hope you'll come and check us out in person. Or uh, again, this could be your first time and maybe you're not really familiar with Bible study, but I, I, I bet you probably heard Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. If you've been to, you know, a, just a, a funeral even or anything, you probably, someone's told you about this, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Look at this. He makes me lie down in, in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters, still waters. Just kind of almost ordinary, isn't it? Just some grass and some water. But he refreshes my soul. God takes the ordinary, mundane places and moments of life to actually refresh our soul. And if we will engage in relationships with other people in what, instead of waiting till we're in trouble to reach out, man, if we've got people that we have just set a rhythm in our life, a relational rhythm, a friend rhythm in our life to have people with us in the mundane, man, they'll be with us in these pivotal moments. So here's the question. Have you been forsaking ordinary moments because they weren't extraordinary? Are there ordinary moments that you have been forsaking? And maybe even the Holy Spirit right now is just kind of nudging you. Hey, I need you to pay attention more in the ordinary. Don't forsake the ordinary. Don't overlook the ordinary. Again, I think, parents, God's going to begin to nudge you. You're going to find the Holy Spirit nudging you, maybe even as you're driving home from church today, to not miss an opportunity to maybe engage in a spiritual conversation. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, if you've got kids and, kid, and that are at church today with you today, I promise you they're hearing the gospel. God is prompting something in their heart, and he might use just a simple conversation with you to actually take what they're hearing to cause it to be so strongly just established in a foundational way in their own spirit. God just wants to use these simple car rides, these simple mundane, what seem to be ordinary moments to actually bring out the extraordinary in your life. Here's the fourth thought for us today. We'll finish with this is, is that friends provide something we lack. Friends provide something that we lack. And the servant had some money to give to the prophet when Saul didn't. Anybody even want to have some friends with some money? Those are good friends, right? We all want some friends with some money. Like, I could take some of that right now. I need some rich friends around me. Here, look at Saul, verse 7. It says, Saul said to his servant, so they find themselves, he's ready to give up. And the servant says, no, we're not going to give up, Saul. Listen, we, there's a man of God here. We just need to get in the presence of God. God will lead us. And Saul said to his servant, if we go, if we go to the man of God, what can we give the man? Because it, traditionally what they would do is, it, and it wasn't to purchase it, it wasn't to bribe, it was simply a way of showing honor and respect. It was a tradition of their day. And Saul, being from a very prominent family, knew that if we're going to go and do this, we need, to, we need to bring a gift. We need to be able to show honor and respect to this person. And so he said, what are we going to give the man? And the food in our sacks is gone. We've got no gift to take the man of God. What do we have? Look at verse 8. Look at the servant's response. He said, look... I've got a quarter of a shekel of silver. He's like, I got a quarter. I save it for the Aldi shopping cart because I need the cart, but I got the quarter. I got the, just the shekel of silver. It doesn't even seem like a lot, but he says, I, I've got something with me and I'm willing to give it. I'll give it to the man of God so that he will tell us which way to take. 
the servant, the friend that Saul had with him on this very ordinary, very mundane donkey mission of life where it seemed pointless or it didn't seem any purpose at all. This servant that was with him actually had the money that they needed to get into the meeting with the prophet. And Saul didn't. He didn't have, but he needed it. But the person that was with him had it. Look at this, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine. Verse 9 and 10, this verse is used a lot at weddings, but it, it has such a stronger principle that even supersedes weddings. Look at it, it says, two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one falls, kind of picture yourself in the, even in this verse. Maybe you're the one that seems like, I feel like I'm falling all the time. His companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to help him up. Church, is it possible today that a lot of us have been kind of tripping, fallen, getting injured in life, and we've had no one around us to pick us up? And we allow that to be something else that kind of pushes us down. I don't have any friends. I don't have any people in my world. I don't have any. Is it possible that there are people in our life and we're just not reaching out. Maybe we know who to reach out to when, man, really when it gets bad, I know what to do. But again, what about the mundane? What about the day in and day out? Because those are the ones that will be with us. And I promise you, God will use them to provide for a need in your life. They'll provide strength when we're weak. They'll provide faith when we're faithless. They'll provide hope when we're hopeless. They'll provide encouragement when we're discouraged, they will provide stamina when we just want to quit and insight when we find ourselves just stuck. And God has some people that he wants to get in your world or God wants to begin to pour himself out through people that are already in your world. If you will just slow down for a moment and actually turn to them and let them know what you need. Last year, it was just, just over a year ago, we had Hurricane Ian come all the way through, just blow through Southwest Florida, just the devastation in our city. Um, we're still like, uh, your pastors were just there. Like, you, I mean, it's not just the blue tarps. If you get closer to Fort Myers Beach, it's just, it looks like still like a war zone. It's gonna be years, years before we recover and rebuild. Just devastated. And I remember just the, 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 Two days after the hurricane, as a church, we're just rallied around and we're trying to serve our city. Our, our buildings don't have any power and we're trying to get generators. But we've got, I mean, just truck, semi-truckload after truckload of, of water and uh, food items coming in and, and diapers for, for families with, with babies and formula and just product after product. And I mean, they're just semi after semi. And so people are lined up miles on either direction of our, of our property trying to get in. And we had a, a ministry that we were working with that was providing hot meals. Um, we served over 400,000 hot meals in a short period of time uh, together with this ministry and just amazing. But one of our, our pastor's pastors, so Pastor Matt and Sarah, their pastor, Pastor Todd and Julie Mullins, show up and I had to park far and, and walk in. And I remember seeing the look on my pastor's face as soon as they saw Pastor Todd, uh, tears just running down their face. And uh, they weren't just showing up in a struggle time. 
they do life together on an ongoing basis. It's exactly what we provide as a network. We provide small groups for pastors so that they're doing life together on an ongoing basis so that we're providing for each other. And I promise you, uh, throughout the week, daily, sometimes there's text messages happening in our group chats and you're on a video call in, in your small group and even in person. There's so many times in those moments that just seem mundane. It's just, it's on the calendar. It's another meeting that we're going to have that God will speak so significantly in those moments to just bring a, a word of encouragement, a, a refreshing word. And uh, I, I just know that there's such power in relationship when we don't do life alone. Saul reached his destiny. He became the first king over Israel because he had a friend around him who was there in the mundane and at pivotal times. So church family today, how about you? Who's in your world right now for the mundane and for the pivotal. I want to give us just a, just a couple action steps. And, and one is this, is that find some godly friends who can encourage you toward God, not away from us. Some of us might have some, some people in our world right now that we actually need to create some boundaries because they're pulling us away from God. I'm just telling you, find some godly men and women that can actually encourage you in your relationship with God. Lean into relationships, not away from them. Lean into the people that God has put into your life, especially the ones that are leading you closer to God. Some of us have, have been burned by relationships, and I get that. Some of us, you know, it, it, we've, we've trusted some people, and they let us down. They betrayed us. They hurt us. And I'm so sorry. Can I just say I'm sorry for that? I, I hate that that's happened. But I also know that God wants to lean in, and he wants to use people in your life to actually pour himself out through. He has a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, uh, uh, something specific for you that will give you direction and clarity. And he wants to pour it out, not through just a man of God or a woman of God, but from actually the friends and the people that you're in relationship with. God wants to do that. So can I just challenge you today, church? Get in a life group. Take that step. Get on a team. Begin to serve. Go through the growth track. It's actually happening after this service today. You can jump in the growth track. Get a, get a part into the life flow of our church and watch what God will do in you and through you in the relationships of your life if you'll do that. Let me pray for us today, if you would. If you close your eyes, let's just bow our heads. Just open up our hearts to what God wants to do in this moment. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl at the sound of my voice right now, God, and I ask that you would strengthen them. I ask that you would give them hope. God, I pray right now that you would even begin to reveal to them adjustments that they can make in the relationships of their life to no longer go through life alone and by themselves, but finding new ways to engage with other people. God, I pray for those that have been hurt in relationships in the past that you would even heal right now that forgiveness would flow, that bitterness would be broken, and they would experience your life flow. With every head bowed and every eye closed, today, if you have never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, this is your moment. The Bible says that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is actually our brother. And when we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, we become sons and daughters of God. And 
we are joint heirs with Jesus. And if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward, but simply right where you are while everyone else's head is bowed and eyes are closed. If you say, Pastor Dan, would you pray for me? I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, raise your hand. One, two, three. Just slip your hand up. All through that. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. Amen. Come on. We're we're taking a massive eternal step today. Come on, church. Let's pray this prayer together. Pray together with me, with those that just raised their hand. Would you repeat after me? Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody. Pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. And thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for my sins. And you miraculously raised him from the dead. Jesus, you are alive. And I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Wash me clean of all my sin. Now say this boldly. I commit from this day forward that I will follow after you with all of my heart and soul and my mind and strength. Thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.